Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 17 of the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Ah, where to start? Um, I am on a rest day today, uh, having just finished up a stretch of nine days straight climbing here in the red. And if you were wondering if nine days is too much, let me just go ahead and confirm that for you that, yeah, nine days is too much. It's too many. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and blame that on some guys that actually helped me out. Um, early in this campaign in the red, when I've been working on, you know, kind of short, bouldery, 13 minuses uh, that I never got done while I was here, that I never put any real time into because they just weren't my style at all. Um, that's what I've been focused on. And I realized pretty quickly that warming up was a pain in the ass and and my skin was failing fast. So I reached out to Tension Climbing. They hooked me up with their new flashboard. And I reached out to Rhino Skin Solutions based on the advice of a friend. And they hooked me up with some of their skin products. And I've been going for nine days since. Um, my skin is great. My warm-ups have gotten better. So thanks to those guys. And damn those guys. I'm going to be doing reviews on the site of both of those products because I really believe in them. Uh, but anyway, let's get on with this. Um, Today we've got Arno Ilgner on the podcast. Uh, you know Arno from Warrior's Way. And uh, I think you're going to be surprised about uh, some of the things that we talk about in this interview. It's not just about uh, fear of falling, which is kind of the thing he's been made famous for. Uh, and we actually go in into a little depth in his process uh, with, recently with uh, athlete Heather Widener, who is a brilliant climber and was having some difficulties with a, a route called Simply Red and Rifle, a 13D that she was working on. And she reached out to Arno, or Arno reached out to her after hearing that she had uh, read his material. And they worked together on the route, which Heather subsequently sent. So uh, thanks to Heather for letting us talk a little about your story. And uh, also, I just think that uh, Arno is a really, really smart dude, and he's got this stuff dialed in. And and I really appreciate where he's coming from with it, and I look forward to having him on the podcast more. Um, but for now, I'm just going to let you guys jump into this. All right. Maybe don't know. The, the end result goal can give us vision, give us direction, kind of just help us make decisions and take actions that lead us there. But then our primary motivation needs to be the more intrinsic, learning-based motivation, which our process is. Business, we were fully committed to that, not wanting to rest. Yep, yep. Do you want a beer or something before we start? I've got some cold beers in the cooler. Uh, no, I'll You're take good? one after. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just jump into it then. Okay. So, I think most people, when they think of what you do, because you've done this Warrior's Way for for quite a long time now. How long has it been? I officially made the decision in the mid-90s, so it's been roughly 20 years. Yeah, wow, that's super cool. It's cool yeah. to see that it, you know, it continues to, to grow. That's cool to watch. But I think what most people think of when they think of the Warrior's Way and when they think of you is, is the fear of falling thing. I think that seems to be the most prevalent. That's true. But, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about... And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because what I, what I do with these podcasts is I kind of let the person I'm talking to or I'm talking to sort of direct me in the subject. If they're super psyched on something, if, you know, if the guest is, feels like they're an expert in something, then we can talk about that subject. And I like to go into it with this total beginner mind, like I'm mm -hmm. trying to learn from you because that's what I'm here for, basically. So... What we're going to talk about is 
motivation and yes. goal-based motivation versus process-based motivation. Right. Is that right? Yes. And uh, I'm glad you brought up the falling thing because even though falling is a really important thing to address, uh, I think it has skewed uh, maybe a lot of more advanced or elite athletes from understanding how they could benefit from the material. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. And so... Um, I think, you know, I listened to one of your podcasts, I think it was with Neely, and you mentioned about working with primarily intermediate to advanced athletes, mm -hmm. you know, and it's been kind of similar for us with the Warriors Way because uh, when, when we schedule a training tour, we go around different parts of the country and uh, advertise it, of course, and then the typical students we get are in that range, you know, 5'9", right. 5'12". Yep. Uh, and so, uh, in one sense, uh, that's the, the target market that we're drawing from, uh, but it, it's, also, it's also because their particular need with dealing with falling, uh, it, the material directly addresses it. But there's some, so much more depth to that uh, than just falling to the material. Yeah, and, totally. And that's really one of the main major shifts that we're working on right now is finding a way to tweak, uh, maybe not tweak, but uh, to emphasize different parts of the material like motivation, like you mentioned, right. that actually uh, elite athletes are aware that the material can help them in those areas that are particularly useful for them. Yeah. And, and you're working with some elite athletes now. Um, Starting to more so, uh, mm -hmm. Heather Widener is one. Yep, and we're going to talk a little about Heather's case and what you're, you know, what you're doing with Heather today, right? Yes. Yeah. So, how did Heather approach you? Like, what was, what was the impetus for her reaching out to you? Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I listened to her interview with Neely on Training Beta. You know when when it came out, uh -huh. yep. and she mentioned about Warrior's Way helping her, you know, reading the book, The Rock Warrior's Way, mm -hmm. and so that piqued my awareness that hey, you know, she sees the the information as valuable, but she had never taken a training class uh, from me, uh, so uh, I think uh, things can tend to um, coincide, like her need for training and also Warrior's Way ability to start approaching elite athletes, it, uh, it kind of came together at the OR show this yeah, last August. Yeah, it was August. a win-win for both of you. Yeah, and so uh, started talking to more elite athletes about doing training with them. Mm -hmm. Like, what do they have mental training issues and needs mm -hmm. that uh, you know we could work together on? And so ran into Heather there, and we talked a little bit, and she said, absolutely. So... I was traveling with one of our trainers, Jeff Lotus, and we decided we were going to Wyoming and we were going to be heading back through Boulder. And so we had an opportunity to talk with Heather and and uh, set the groundwork for beginning to do the training, the coaching. And so Jeff took her through our basic uh, falling commitment clinic so she could understand the core drills and uh, more specifically, to understand the core tenets of the material through doing those drills. Because right. even though we do movement drills and falling drills, which may not be an issue for an elite athlete, it's really not about those drills. It's about getting down to the more core issues of right. motivation and incremental learning process and use of attention, things like that. Yeah, I think it's cool that you that you have drills that really drive home those basics. You know, that's something Nate and I have been working with in our in our workshops quite a bit is mm -hmm. coming up with drills that really drive home the basics that, that people tend to overlook, you know, and, and drills are a really concrete, actionable way for people to dive into it and to see its value. So Absolutely. I think that's I think cool. The actionable part is really important because one of the uh, really important parts of the material is that you know something when you experience it and mm -hmm. we can tend to just intellectualize about things and until we can create a drill and actually experience what it's like to be motivated in a certain way, yep. like uh, by processes over end results, let's say, then we don't really understand the depth of that particular concept. Right. For sure. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. So, 
was Heather having a, a particular thing that she wanted to work on, or was it that she just knew that there was room to grow in that? She had a particular area? thing, and it was uh, negative self-talk, okay. and it seemed to be structured around self-worth issues. Which you know, I think that's I think that happens quite a bit, and I don't want to totally generalize here, but I see that a lot with females, especially um, that they can be really, really super positive for everyone else. And then when it comes to themselves, they, they're really hard on themselves. Probably m more hard on themselves than, than guys are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think everyone suffers to some degree with, you know, ego and self-worth issues yeah. and negative self-talk. But I think there's, there's certain aspects of our society and the way uh, young boys and young girls are socialized that sure. kind of sets up yep. girls at least that's part of it you know to be harder on themselves yeah definitely yeah so you know did you did you climb with Heather to to see what was going on or was it just a did she have a pretty clear picture of here's what I, I'm doing I know it's wrong what can we do collectively to work on that well she uh she's clear about the negative self-talk yeah. not being helpful yeah and so uh the way we were structuring it is we have an in-person session where we'll run them through the fall commit drills and so that the athlete understands the the foundational tenets of the material mm -hmm. and so so jeff lotus uh, took her through a day of training in boulder because I, I had to come back to Tennessee. And it's indoor, outdoor. It was doesn't it was indoor. Okay. Uh, and so that took I don't know four to six hours or something like that. So, but in addition, he also uh, started doing an inquiry work with her, where uh, he would uh, like bring up one of the negative self talk. Uh, things that uh, she was maybe saying to herself right and then dig into that like yep. where it was coming from so is he doing this between routes or yeah between routes yeah. okay uh, so uh, we're the worries way material so far has really been mostly about uh identifying the tasks that we have in climbing and then noticing when our attention is distracted off those tasks yeah. getting it back on task yeah so almost like sort of a mindfulness meditation kind of process you know mm -hmm. you become more aware of where you're supposed to have your attention focused notice when it's distracted and get it back on task so kind of a redirecting right. process yep but we're realizing that there there are also two other areas that we want to broaden uh the understanding and, and application of the material. And one is inquiry, which is more of an intellectual kind of process, you know, where you can uh, bring to light a certain limiting belief or self-talk and then dig into like where that's coming from. And a lot of times it has a lot to do with uh, various trauma issues that we have as we're growing up. And uh, Everybody suffers from some degree of trauma issues when they're kids, sure. even if they have yep. what you might consider a perfect childhood. Absolutely. Uh, so it's you know, digging into that in an intellectual way, but then also we're looking for like experiential ways to apply that and and work through it on on a climb. So, uh, for instance, if you, uh, what is it like to climb with holding a negative that negative thought in your mind? Yeah. And then uh, kind of compare that with how's it, uh, what does it feel like when you're actually climbing without that thought with something else. Right. A, a simple example would be like, I can't do this, as opposed to you're climbing with the, the thought in your mind that I can do this. Mm -hmm. Just a, the, a simple thing like that. So that's the, the second kind of prong of what we're working toward. And then the third one is uh, deepening what you might call the the flow state or how to be more in the moment yeah uh, cool. when you're actually in the climbing experience mm -hmm. essentially what what it's going to do is it's it's going to um, build on those first two because really the flow state is nothing magical it's just being able to have attention in a moment, focus on whatever it needs to be focused on in the climbing yep. process yep. without having the mind distracting right. your attention so that you're kind of in sync with the climb mentally and physically. Uh, so 
uh, the third part we're looking at primarily so far the way the way we understand it is deepening the awareness process of uh, of ourselves right and it's still i mean jeff jeff and i are particularly digging into all of this together and so we're it's still in experimental stages cool can we can we talk a little about it have you been working with heather on on those two no tenants as well well. i've been been working with her on the second one not the third one okay well Uh, i'm kind of super interested in the second one actually um largely because my fiance has you know she's my main climbing partner and mm -hmm. she's there's a lot of negative self-talk Okay. She's the most positive person at the crag for everyone else. And then as soon as she's on the wall, I can't do it. I'm stuck. You know, this is too hard for me. And and she's gotten herself into this process that takes a long time to get comfortable and to send a route that's well below her physical limits. Right. So we've been working on trying to short that shorten that process up mm-hmm. slowly. And I'm not very good at it because I tend to be really blunt, and as soon as I see her being negative, I tend to just point it out, and I don't know if that's the right thing. So, so I'm really interested in, in hearing what you have been working on with Heather and how to you know how to work through this. Yeah, it's it's difficult for you know people to learn from each other in a relationship. I mean, that's yeah, one thing hard. that's probably getting in it's the way. So you could have the same student. Uh, and not be in that relationship and she'll yep. probably listen to you just fine. Yeah, totally. Even if you're blunt. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't be as you know, as quick to to jump in as I am now, I'm sure, if we weren't in a relationship. You know, that comfortability right. allows me to just jump in and uh so uh by the way, I did speak with Heather and she said it's okay to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so um Thanks, but, Heather, by the way. But see, we basically, we, we said that uh, there are certain issues around self-worth, uh, like, I'm not worthy to be here working on this 14A right. Right. because all these other climbers that are climbing this grade are so much better than I am. Right, you know? and, yeah, totally. And all climbers, you know, our egos get in there and we, we get in a comparison game and then our attention is all on that and if we measure up or not... And so, so we wanted to uh, address that. And to address it, we really need to have the athlete understand motivation. And we basically, I mean, there's a lot of ways to understand motivation, but there, there are two basic ways that we can be motivated. One is toward goals like end results, achieving a certain grade or a certain route. Right. And uh, a lot of us are tied up in that. You know, the, yeah, the numbers are oftentimes what guides our motivation. You know, well, it's uh, society is rolled up in that. You know, sure. that's uh, the way the whole capitalistic society is is structured is around that end result goal motivated or goal oriented motivation. But then there's a process motivation, and uh, process motivation is more learning based. Like, mm-hmm. what do I need to learn so that I can achieve that end goal? Yep. Uh, so, so we we looked with Heather. We looked at like what is causing that end result motivation, and how can we shift it toward this learning based process motivation? Uh, so, uh, we start with understanding that uh, we all have an ego, and the ego likes to feel important yep okay it likes to feel important based basically on uh my achievements based compared to other people so you you can go to a crag and people are constantly sizing themselves up you know against everybody else that's there you know am i the best climber here or the worst climber or somewhere in between and then we create certain comfort zones around being uh, if I'm the best, you know, maybe I don't have to work as hard on this, and it's still I right. still feel okay about myself. If I'm the worst, then uh, you know, maybe I can give my full effort to it and uh, don't have any expectations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we so we need to mm-hmm. look at uh, how the ego tends to put us in some hierarchy with other climbers. Yeah, I think it was. Anytime I have a quote in my mind and I can't think of exactly who it was, I just blame it on Eleanor Roosevelt. I think it's her who said comparison is the thief of joy and 
And I really love that quote because I see so many people, like you were just saying, especially in the gym, which is where I spend a lot of my time, mm -hmm. you know, really watching people, really comparing themselves. Like, how come he can do that problem and I can't? I've been climbing yeah. longer. You know, I did this problem and he didn't. And it's just this constant comparison game and it takes you right out mm -hmm. of where you should be, I think. It's kind of so. a, uh, an extrinsic, external kind of motivation. It's like yeah. we get a sense of ourselves and are motivated by what's outside of us. Yeah. Whereas if... Uh, if we can uh, convert that more into an intrinsic motivation where it's coming out of us, like a, a certain organic uh, you, uh, desire to just do our best on a climb. Yeah, to improve, to get then, better. Uh, yeah, it's less, less comparison. Mm -hmm. uh, so, okay, so we understand the ego and then uh, it, this is kind of an intellectual process. So I was sure. taking her through an intellectual process and then giving her some experiential tools at the end. So, uh, so understanding how the ego can do that and then its effect on attention. Mm -hmm. So when we're motivated by the end result, and, and one thing I think is really important about people understanding the warrior's way material is, it's not a philosophy. It's just a very pragmatic way of understanding how to stay focused and uh, and do your best. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, uh, you should be process motivated because it's really the best way to be. You know, it's, right. you know, it's, it's going to be really cool, you know, or something yep. like that. No, it's not about that. It's because it's very pragmatic. Uh, so if we look at end result motivation compared to process motivation, uh, think about a goal that, well, Heather wanted to achieve a goal, simply read, R-E-A-D, at, yeah. uh, at uh -huh. Rifle. Which she just did, by the Which way. Which she right? just did. Yeah. Right, but so she wanted to achieve that goal, and I said, okay, have you achieved it today? She said, no. It says, okay, that goal is in the future. So if we're motivated by the goal, then uh, we tend to project our attention we, if we overvalue it, we, we tend to project our attention into the future, into things right, we can't right. control. Right. We're not being motivated by something we can do right now. That, exactly right. We, we need to be, well, primarily motivated. You know, it's important sure, to sure. understand that both are, are helpful. Right. And they're, they're not exclusive of each other. No. Uh, they can exist together. The, the end result goal can give us vision, give us direction, kind of this help us make decisions and take actions that lead us there. Mm -hmm. But then our primary motivation needs to be the more intrinsic learning-based motivation, which are processes yep. that occur in the moment, you know, each moment, each minute, each hour, each day that's leading us toward that goal. Right. Because the only thing we actually can control is things that happen in the present moment. And those, sure. are, those are processes. Yep. I think that's really cool. I've never thought of, in, in my head, the two are, are generally mutually exclusive, you know, mm -hmm. and I've never really thought of it as sort of as a percentage thing, you know, it can be, or, or they piggyback off of each other. You know, mm -hmm. you can still be goal oriented and goal motivated, but then to achieve that goal, you're going to, move into process motivation you know and i and i think maybe that's the way i am i think that's what i fall into because i do like the goals i do like mm -hmm. the end results but i definitely really love the process and i love digging into it but my process is always dictated by some end result so i've never put it together like that that's pretty well cool. it's uh your, your process is dictated by the end result in to a degree uh in that there are certain things that you need to learn along the way right, right. to achieve that. Yep, exactly. Uh, but if we uh, think about it, you know, achieving the end result occurs just in a split second, right? Right, right. But what is the majority of our life leading up to that? For some people, it's several years working toward a goal. Yeah, and sometimes that goal is just part of the process anyway. You know, hopefully that goal is a part of well, a it's, process. Well, it's a test, Okay. Okay. It's a test a of your learning. Along the way. Like, yep. what did you learn along the way? Let's uh, let's draw a line in the sand here and make sure that you actually can uh, show me that you've learned how yeah. to keep it together to do that red point. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, 
an important part is to enjoy the journey, you know, to enjoy the learning process mm -hmm. that makes up those five to seven years if you're working on a really long goal uh, so that you can have fun climbing, right? Who yeah. um, one thing uh, talk to Heather about is that, okay, so you have this negative self-talk, you get frustrated. Why? You know, why, why is that happening? Well, it's because uh, didn't achieve or progress as much as you thought you would. And that right. might be even the on working out a crux sequence, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe make no progress. Like she was working on, uh, I think, China Doll, at the trad yep. route uh, that yep. she climbed in Boulder Canyon. Mm -hmm. And uh, was able to make uh, certain crux moves and then go there another day and uh, have sort of negative progress, in a sense, and getting frustrated about it. Says, well, let's look at it this in a pragmatic way. Like, you got the, the rock, it's not animate, you know, it's an inanimate object. That route has a certain level of skill that's needed. Yep. And obviously, your skill isn't up to par with the challenge that you're facing, right? Right. So when we get frustrated, essentially, we want whatever's missing, that learning for no effort, right? Yeah. Yep, totally. Because it's we just, just we a just rock, want it to you know. Be there. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it kind of points toward um, a way that we we can be kind of immature in in our process of dealing with stress and challenges. It's like uh, I listened to a podcast that uh, you know Tim Ferriss did with mm -hmm. Chris Summers that yep. I think you know yep. with gymnastic bodies and mm -hmm. and in one place he said that uh, there's a difference between mature athletes and immature athletes and yeah. mature athletes understand that every kind every bit of uh, success that they have requires work mm -hmm. so frustration essentially uh, is wanting that to have that work done without. Uh, it, well, it's effort. wanting to have achieved the end result without doing that work. Right. And that's just a, an immature way that, that we approach challenges. And it tends to be largely unconscious because the ego is in there, wants that achievement yep. the quicker the better so it can feel good about itself. Yeah. So once uh, once uh, started uh, you know, talking with Heather about this this whole structure about the ego, how it needs that achievement motivation, then it, it causes us to create expectations all around the end result. And then what it does is it, it causes our attention to be focused in the future mm -hmm. and not on uh, in the moment on what we actually need to do and learn to uh, achieve the goal. So there are there actionable things that you worked on with Heather to kind of start changing that you know, that uh, what she was being motivated by, you know, it's it's not as simple as just saying, oh, you need to focus on this instead. Absolutely. You know, that's not the end of it. It's like uh, like we talked about a moment ago. you got to find a way to make a drill or right. something actionable. Yep. Um, so it's, it's not like she was uh, not enjoying the learning process. She was, uh, she loved the learning process uh, early on with a project. Right. Uh, the struggle usually comes when we say, okay, I think I know it enough to I'm, start I'm doing to the red, red point, point effort, yep. right? Because then you create the expectation about, well, I should be able to red point this mm -hmm. time or the next time or the next time. Yeah. And then that causes the frustration and the negative self-talk when you're not making the process or meeting those expectations. So, so that was kind of the intellectual way of her understanding uh, that, it's not productive for her to be uh, thinking in the way that she was thinking, equating her self-worth with achievement um, and creating these kinds of expectations. Uh, and then uh, we kind of structured some, some tools for her to actually apply and uh, see what kind of an effect that had. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the, the first thing is that she needed to be able to realize that she's more than just her herself up there on a climb. Like uh, our ego tends to think it's just us, you know. Nobody else is experiencing this. And, right, right. I'm the uh, only person who's ever gone through this right. situation. Yeah. And so 
and said that the first thing you need to do is kind of uh, get grounded and expand beyond that limited uh, state. Yep. Uh, and I said the the way to do that is you need to tell your belayer. Yeah, that's that super important to let <clears throat> let you know that you're part of a support group here. You're yep. you're part of uh, this team that's a climber belayer. You're you're part of nature. You're part of the larger climbing community. And so I said, uh, have your make sure your belayer uh, knows this, and then tells you something very specific. Uh, doesn't tell you what you need to do or that you shouldn't get frustrated, but just says, uh, breathe, relax, I'm here for you. Yep, yep. You know, it's just uh, uh, the first two, breathing, relax, it uh, connects uh, the athlete back to the body. Getting, mm -hmm. starting to get their attention out of their head and uh, woe is me kind of mentality. Right. So get connected back with the body and then realizing that you're, you have a support team here. Sometimes we need to just take a moment to take a breath and and get grounded again and connected with uh, yeah with our Blair. Yep. Uh, and then uh, see if uh, she can identify what the limiting thought was. You know, maybe it's ego related. Maybe it's self worth or uh, oriented. Uh, and then instead of like fighting it, just allow it to be there. Like uh, you don't have to get rid of it, you know, thinking that uh, it's bad because you had this thought, but rather just allow it and then see if you can label it and understand where it came from. Yeah. But then start shifting into, you know, shift that negative self-talk or that frustration into curiosity. Right. Uh, by just saying, okay, what, what happened? What can I do differently? Mm -hmm. uh, How can and, I improve my situation? Yeah. And so um, initially, you know, you might you fall and you might have a thought like, I suck. Okay. Well, that's a statement. And it tends to not leave any options for right. moving beyond it. Right. Whereas curiosity is about questions. Questions are open. You know, what do I need to do differently? What happened to cause the fall? And it engages your attention in a situation that where you can kind of work with it and and find a way to change your plan. You know, it's like uh, again, we're we're the part of the situation that can change. The climb is going to stay the same. Yep. So we're looking at how we need to place our feet differently, or apply your energy differently, or use different handholds or sequences, so that we can rise to the level of the challenge of the climb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. So you you have a physical reset, which is yes. breathe, and then relax lets you get into that space where you can start asking questions about what it is that's going on. Yep. You know, and then, and something I really like, and, and I say often is, you know, when someone's going into a crux section or they're nervous about something, I like to say, I'm with you. You know, yeah. and, I, and I like to hear my belayer too. And I'm glad mm -hmm. you brought up uh, having that conversation before you leave the ground is almost every time I leave the ground, especially on something that's going to be difficult for me, I have a conversation with my belayer about the entire route. Like mm -hmm. if, you know, I might struggle here, here's what I need at this part, you know, let me know you're there when I'm at this spot, mm -hmm. you know, and that way I, I know that I'm connected to somebody, I can put that totally out of my head and I can really focus on what's happening right yeah. there with me. You, you know? can also, you know, tell them specifically how you'd like to be coached. Yeah. If at yeah. all. Yep. You know, particularly important in relationships. <laughs> yeah. So did did you work with Chris at all on this? Or did Heather just relay this stuff to Chris and have him talk to her that way? Uh Chris oh her, her husband. Her husband. Yep. No, I just told Heather she needs to, whoever's blaming her, because it's not always Chris, uh, sure. I said, you need to uh, instruct your belayer how you want to be coached. Uh, and so the, the typical uh, coaching and scare quotes here is uh, yeah, yeah. you've got it, you know, or beta spraying, which is all toward end result. Yep. Okay. So 
it's more helpful we found to coach along processes you know like reminding to breathe or to relax or or uh, to make the next move mm -hmm. uh, or maintain eye contact or something specific that you can do loosen your grip you know to do whatever task that you're doing whether it's climbing or resting more effectively right. uh yeah so yeah. i think it's cool that you you tell the climber they can tell their belayer how they want to be coached because just the other day actually uh my fiance was on a route and i know i was i was being a little harsh and in the moment, I didn't realize I was being harsh. And partially because that's how I like to be coached. Mm -hmm. Like If I'm trying to learn something, I want somebody pointing out my flaws immediately so I can fix them. Mm -hmm. you know? And she doesn't like that, but that's where I go with her. And when she came down, she was like, can we try something else? You know, it, what you're doing comes across to me as negative. So we need to change that, you know? And I think that was huge for me because then I could approach it totally differently the next time. And, and we can work through and find what's going to help her avoid this negative self-talk that she has right. that I'm just feeding into unwittingly, mm -hmm. you know? So that's pretty cool that you have them talk to their Blair about it. That's a big important part of being a team, which is what you are when you when you're well, on a route. It seems like, you know, we, we're going to coach the way we're motivated. Okay, yeah. so if we're and climbers can tend to be motivated toward end results, and then they coach that way too. And so they might say something like, uh, uh, "Let's say it's a guy and a girl, and the girl's up there leading on lead, leading on lead, of course." <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, uh, is freaked out and wants to, you know, down climb a move and hang on a bolt. And the guy says, no, climb or fall. You know, and then that freaks out uh, yeah. the girl. Yep. And, and just makes it a more like a traumatic experience that is not helpful. So it's really important to work out that kind of coaching that you're going to do, you know, beforehand. Uh, so you're not just... Uh, putting someone in a situation that they are not ready for. Right. A question for you. So, and I'm, and I'm asking because I want to know your thought on it is a lot of times, you know, one of the troubles my fiance has is that when she, as soon as she gets into a situation that causes her a little bit of anxiety and we know what those situations are before she leaves the ground, like we can spot them. Mm -hmm. We know it's going to happen. And as soon as she gets there, her automatic response is, just take. And we're trying to shortcut this process or, or shorten the process. Mm -hmm. And so what I've been doing is just asking, are you sure? Do you think that's a, a valid technique to use? Or, or is that something that might be making it worse for her? No, I, I think it's fine as long as it's worked out beforehand. Like say, right. all right, is it okay? Uh, you know when you get up there, you're going to say take, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, we got that agreement. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we've been having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, is it okay when you say that for me to say, um, can you delay for a second? Or, yeah. or can you delay for five seconds yep. uh, before, to, you know, I will take and honor your request mm -hmm. uh, if you want me to, but can we step into that? by first see if you can just stay there for five seconds. And if, I've, if she says, no, I don't think I can do five seconds, how about four? You know, you find a small enough increment that she's willing to agree to right. so that you can get her to engage that. And what will happen is then when she can stay uh, four seconds, then next time she might be able to stay 10 right, and agree steps. to that. Yep. Uh, or it might be, well, can you... Uh, fall instead of taking or can you down climb uh, to where you're taking a fall that you're willing to take you know she mm -hmm. might be too far up above and wants to down climb and right. hang can you just down climb and, and fall when you're two moves above the bolt yep. or something like that yeah but the really important thing with working with anybody is to find an actionable step that they are actually can take out of their comfort zone and that's different for everybody yeah so another question, this is a little 
like kind of in another direction. This one actually is about me because I, I do love the process. And, and I have some clients who also really love the process. And sometimes I'm not sure when to like flip that switch because I like the process of learning moves and, and learning the more efficient ways. Is there a way to identify when you should be going for that, that end result? Or, or do you just let the process take you there every time? I don't know that there's a, a definitive answer for that. It's probably right. we, we each need to find out what um, works best for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe, uh, maybe something that can help is, is just uh, being aware if you're just staying, working the process because it's comfortable to do that. Yep. Like there's such a strong draw for all of us to be in our comfort zone and if we're working route and uh and we really like working around and the process yeah. and we never test ourselves right then uh we're sort of staying in our comfort zone still yeah so you might uh, say well i think i'm ready to do a red point effort and let's see what happens well yep. if you do it with five hangs then maybe you need to go back and work the process some more yeah you know yep. and then uh after some time with that then you can go back and do another red point effort maybe get it with one hang yeah and so just constantly ask questions reevaluate yeah and know. and just uh, a lot of a lot of that i mean we're talking mental training right so a lot of it is becoming more aware of our motivation and what's going on in our head that um, can just either that's keeping us in our comfort zone or is actually moving us into distress and uh, and dealing with the challenge. And that might be working on the process or it might be testing ourselves on that red point effort. Right, right. So, you know, back to Heather's case now that I've kind of taken over here and had you give me my own little, little session here. Um, you know, how do you feel she was progressing through that or how did she feel she was progressing through it? Well, we... We've been talking on the phone about weekly, you know, since she, uh, since about early September. And so, uh, so the, the negative self-talk all around uh, self-worth issue type of things was um, a real issue during Red Point efforts, mm -hmm. like we talked about. And so... And not, not to totally cut you off here, but just in case people are listening who don't know... Heather's not just, you know, a random climber. She's a she's a really good climber, one of the best climbers in the country who climbs, you know, she's done 514 trad, she's done 514 sport. Right. And she's just a, a high-level all-around climber. So so if you think that you're alone at 511 having self-worth issues or negative self-talk, it's not true. You know, it, it happens at these high levels as well. And so. I would say that it happens even more for elite athletes okay. because yeah. they have more pressures from sponsors yeah. and expectations yeah. from <clears throat> others uh, and can really benefit from um, addressing these kinds of issues. Uh, so, okay. Uh, Since I cut you off. Yeah. She was working, you know, she had been on Simply Red, um, I think a few years ago, she said. Yeah, but 13D and Rifle. Right? 13D. Yeah. And she wanted to go back and, I guess, clean up that project, you know, see if she could send it. And so she worked on it, uh, I think, two or three visits to, to Rifle and was able to send it, uh, I don't know, end of September. So... Uh, the feedback she gave me was that she was able to achieve it pretty quickly and with more of a calm and focused mind. Good. You know, less negative self-talk uh, by you know, applying the tools that we went over. Mm -hmm. And uh, a big part of that is uh, understanding that we might be able to achieve a goal just as fast if we're frustrated versus curious. Right. But what do you want your climbing experience to be like, right? Sure. <laughs> do yeah, you want totally. to have this uh, frustration experience and then just feel great when you achieve the end, end goal? Or do you want the whole thing to be more enjoyable? Yeah, and you never know where that frustration might be holding you back. You know, if it's, the, if it's your go-to mode, 
then maybe you aren't aware of how you could climb if you weren't in that state all the time. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's really easy to say, well, I might climb frustrated, but I climb 12C or whatever. How do you know that if you're feeling much better about yourself and about your climbing, you won't be climbing 13A? Right. You know, you, you can't know unless you make effort to change those things and try and see. Yeah, and know. consider that um, mental training, at least the way Warrior's Way approaches it, is about attention. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... If our attention is on frustration, we're not solving problems. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If our attention is on curiosity, then we're digging into the situation, digging into our mind, digging into our body, digging into the rock climb itself Yeah. so that we can solve those problems. And we need to solve those problems in order to do that work in order to achieve the goal. It's just no two ways around it. Yeah, you know something that I I employ with my own climbing and I urge a lot of my clients to do, and I actually just started a new project like this yesterday, that I like to find a route or a boulder problem or something near the beginning of each season that is totally my anti-style, might be something that I know is very height dependent and is really incredibly difficult for me but is at a relatively low grade, Mm -hmm. you know, and a a couple of seasons ago, I climbed 514. Yesterday, I started working on a 12D that I was totally stoked to, to be able to do all the moves on because I tried it a decade ago and got totally shut down on four moves, I think. And yesterday, I was able to come up with interesting creative beta to make these giant reaches that I can't even physically span work for me. Mm-hmm. And and I really love that because it early in the season it takes me out of that you know that expectation of climbing five fourteen like I want to climb five fourteen again and it gets me right back to I want to challenge myself mm-hmm. you know and I want to work through these problems that each route throws at me individually right you know and so I think that's an important tool for me and for a lot of my clients is to. Yeah, Just I think you're, you're describing, you know, let's look at weaknesses mm-hmm. and uh, something that's not going to be something that we're particularly skilled at and, uh, and let's work on it. You know, let's improve that so that overall we can be better athletes. Uh, and again, it's so easy to fall into sort of a comfort-based motivation to feed the ego to just do things that we're, we know we're good at. Yeah, yeah. And as a byproduct, it takes, I think it puts me in a good place. Like it sets me up well for the season and not mm-hmm. being so goal motivated because I know I could go that way if I allowed myself, you know, and really started thinking more about the numbers. And it's hard not to sometimes. I mean, that we're surrounded by it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, again, you know, we, we want to do both, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, having a, a goal can really focus a, us on, give us a vision for the kind of training that we want to do and need to do, um, but then be psyched about doing that training and the climbing that leads you there. Yep. And kind of this just popped into my head. I'm, I'm jumping all over the place here, but rewinding back to something we talked about a little bit earlier, um, we were talking about comparison and, and that leading to this goal motivation. Um, and then do you find that you can take that comparison and use it in a healthy way, similar to how a goal, an end goal can also lead you into the process? Because I definitely find that I compare, but I, I don't think I do it in an unhealthy way. I, I think so. Um but we I'd be willing u- to work on that if, if well, if I, th- that's I think we can help. use others, other people's accomplishments as uh, examples of what is possible for us. Mm-hmm. I think we we're constantly doing that anyway. You were for sure. We see uh, we have mentors, you know, that we probably learned from, you know, throughout all our climbing career. Definitely, yeah, uh, and 
if we're seeing that as something to strive for and to make ourselves better, I don't see that as a negative thing. Uh, it's when, uh, when we're doing it in a sense to determine our self-worth. How worthy yeah. am I as a person? Well, it's important right. just to make self-worth a non-issue. Yeah. Right now, I'm worthy, uh, a worthy human being with all the flaws and yep, skills period. and abilities I have, period. Well, it's, it's not even an issue. Self-worth becomes an issue when we go into the external world where we're comparing our abilities and uh, our strengths and weaknesses with those of others. Uh, so maybe if we keep it more as an internal, uh, from an internal perspective, seeing other people as an example for uh, something that we can internally uh, strive and be motivated toward yeah. doing similar, then that can be helpful. Cool. So where does it, you know, where does it go from here? I know you guys are kind of developing your next levels, you just said, you know, you're the next of the three things that you're really focused on. Right. Um, where do you take it from here? Well, we take it into the non-climbing public. I'm, I'm working on a book for introducing the material to non-climbing public and then creating a, a workshop around that. Cool. Very cool. Uh, but also, there's a lot of things going on in climbing right now, as you know, like going into the Olympics. Yeah. And so, uh, we have uh, several trainers in the U.S. and three abroad, and collectively, we want to help climbing in a mental training realm to be a, a great sport to watch in the Olympics and beyond. So, so we're... Uh, Working with USA Climbing, working with uh, AMGA and CWA, and, and also there's a International Rock Climbing Research Association. That, yeah, that just had their summit here. Yeah, right? in August yeah. Uh, in yeah. Telluride, and uh, Jeff Lotus and I were there. I did a, a short presentation on mental training, and Eric Hurst was there. And so a lot of people from around the world were, were sharing information, and so... They're going to have another one in a couple of years in Chamonix. And uh, I'm working on a research project on measuring attention uh, to, to do kind of a scientific um, research project because mm -hmm. everything that, uh, that I've done with the material has been, you know, trial and error, but I've never right. really done something scientific to measure why what we do in the clinics actually, how it tangibly benefits right. uh, climbers and some people need those those studies and numbers to believe it so i don't i don't think it's a bad idea to have that no i think it's great and uh you know i i can see the benefits from the students that go through the clinics but right. i'd also like to understand a little bit more scientifically myself about why sure. it's uh what we're doing is beneficial yeah cool so working cool. working with you that, got your hands full yeah and and then that's gonna you know lead into you know, working more with teams, climbing mm -hmm. teams that are doing the training for uh, moving, you know, moving toward the Olympics. Yeah. So. Super cool. Super cool. And where can people kind of find you? I know you do clinics all over the place. Is there like a master schedule online on your website or something like that? Yes. Uh, warriorsway.com. Yeah. And, and that's you and all your other trainers as well? Yeah, we, uh, I post all of their, their uh, trainings on our event page. And uh, we have a trainer in Brazil, one in Spain, and one in Mexico. And then, including myself, we have eight in the U.S., uh, you know, spread around the country from California yeah. to New River Gorge. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we can do, you know, there's clinic schedules on uh, upcoming events there you can also do individual training one-to-one -one, you know via phone and email it's helpful to have it like an in-person session first sure you know to, to have gone maybe through a, a clinic you know yep. somewhere in you know a person's local area and then and that's we, what you did with heather basically yeah that's yep. what we did with her cool. so yeah good it's nice to be able to have more trainers you know so that uh yeah, spread the word around. Yeah, it can be available in more places more frequently. So. Yeah, it's it's cool for me to hear what it is that you guys are doing outside of the, you know, safe falling clinics and, and things like that that I've I've heard about for years. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really like the, the direction that you've kind of outlined here. 
you know, of, of mindfulness and, and talking about motivation and where your motivation lies and how to move it into another direction. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's could be used by almost everybody that I've ever climbed with. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty rare that I've climbed with someone, myself included, who couldn't use that, that sort of training or that sort of work in some way or shape or form. Yeah, I think everybody can benefit from it to varying degrees. Uh, The challenge with mental training is that a lot of people don't think they need it and they have preconceived ideas about uh, what they're going, how they're going to benefit and maybe they have the same sort of things with physical training. But with mental training, you you could even read the Rock Warrior's Way book or Espresso Lessons and uh, misunderstand what uh, it's saying because you're just at an intellectual level when you're reading. Right. Unless right, you right. go to a clinic with a trained trainer that can help you understand the material and apply that it. That's how you're then, seeing it. Yeah. Uh, because the reason I'm saying that is I've I've seen people uh, that actually say, oh, I read Rock Warrior's Way, just go for it. Yeah. And that's not that's what not it teaches. You know? yeah. It's, yeah. it's more you need to take an appropriate <clears throat> risk. You need to understand the incremental right. learning process. And all of that has to do with developing awareness and understanding your motivation and how to focus your attention better. That's really cool. I'll, I'll definitely be sending people your way because I think that uh, I, I come across that with a lot of clients who are – goal motivated and get stuck because of it and have a hard time altering their motivation Mm -hmm. and you know knowing that that's something that you work with and and are having success working with and i'll be sending people your way for sure to work on that kind of thing so i think it's a huge part of climbing so yeah it is uh i mean it's uh the physical part the mental part you know being out in nature it's can if we work in all of those areas, we can have an overall much better climbing experience. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down with me. I know things are starting to get a little loud here in the background. We're at Rocktoberfest and it's just starting to ramp up a little bit. So thanks for taking time out and sitting down. This was a ton of fun. We can, yeah, nice talking to we you. We can definitely do it again. So Sounds great, Chris. Thanks, thanks Arno. Wow, big thanks to Arno for sitting down with us again, taking time out of his busy Rocktoberfest schedule. I really appreciate it. And uh, like I said before, Arno's got this thing dialed in, and I think we all have quite a bit to learn from this uh, process versus goal-based motivation that we talked about here. And you know, it's something that I thought I really had pretty dialed in, and and I don't think I do anymore. I think I've still got quite a bit to learn, and I'm glad Arno exposed that because I'd like to go into every situation that way. Um, You can check Arno out at warriorsway.com, and he's got trainers all over the country and elsewhere in the world as well. Um, So if you're looking for some help mentally, tactically, how to approach your uh, the challenges that you're finding, then definitely reach out to Arno at warriorsway.com. And uh, as far as we go here at the Power Company, um, I've got shirts up on the website by Thanksgiving. They're actually up there now. They're just not live for you guys until I have my uh, shipping worked out. Um, So those will be up in the next week or so. We've still got some openings in our pre-written app plans. If you're interested in those, check us out. And um, if you want to become a patron of the podcast, we appreciate all the patrons we've got so far. You can do that at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. And uh, the best thing that you can do for us if you want to help out is share us on your social medias. Uh, You can find us on the Facebooks. You can find us on the Instagrams. uh, But no Twitters. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 This time the bill power this time